Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Good morning, Birdland. I'm Mark Brown. I've been blogging about the Orioles for more than a decade on CamdenChat.com and waiting for them to win the World Series for my whole life. Thanks for listening today. Let's talk some Orioles. It is now September the 1st, 2023. The season is entering its final month. The Orioles are 83-50 and 50 with a one-and-a-half game lead over the Tampa Bay Rays as the Orioles head out for a nine-game, three-city road trip that starts in Arizona tonight. The Orioles' magic number to clinch the division is 28, which could flip quickly into a tragic number for the Orioles to miss out on the division, especially with four games left between these two teams. Me being me, though, of course, I'm also nervous about what happens with the Orioles before we even get to that head-to-head series between the Orioles and the Rays. And, you know, part of that is I'm still annoyed about Wednesday's 10-5 to loss to the White Sox. Maybe you are, too. The Orioles took the early 4 to nothing lead in that game. The White Sox looked absolutely listless, and it was like the Orioles were on the way to picking up a sweep. But Kyle Gibson did not pitch any kind of good, let the White Sox back into the game, Got absolutely shelled in the game. Gibson now with a 5.15 ERA this season after having a 5.05 ERA with the Philadelphia Phillies last year. So it's not like anyone can say they are surprised by this. He is pretty much exactly who we thought he was in terms of the results he's getting. And it is worth keeping in mind the Orioles are 33 games over 500. But, you know, okay, so I don't want to complain too much given that set of facts, but still, I remain frustrated the Orioles did not make a bigger investment in the top of their rotation over the past offseason. But then again, my most hoped for guy was Carlos Rodon, who got six years and $162 million from the New York Yankees. He has made eight starts this year, a 5.97 ERA in year one of that contract. So, you know, it was an annoying loss on Wednesday. But on the other hand, it is always hard to sweep as even bad teams generally win at least one out of three. The Orioles capped a 6-3 and three homestand. They won every series in the homestand, including against the division rival and wildcard contender, Blue Jays. The Orioles went 18-9 and nine in the month of August, which is absolutely great. It just doesn't feel as good when the Orioles are chasing down the Orioles and Orioles are going to need absolutely every win that they can possibly get, not only from here on, but they're going to need uh, all the wins they've racked up up until now and all the dumb losses that they've picked up here and there along the way, starting with Ryan McKenna dropping the freaking pop-up in game two of the season in Boston. You know, every one of those games could hurt. And what we get to is the Orioles have the same one and a half game lead over the race that they had at the start of August. So really for September, all they've got to do is at least the exact same thing. Keep the Rays at bay somehow. Uh, and the reason they got to do this is because it's entirely possible that this could end up being the best regular season Orioles team of my lifetime. If they get 98 wins, they tie the 2014 Orioles. And if they get 99 wins, that's it. That's the best. That is 
No, uh, no Orioles team since um, 1980 has won more than 98 games. They won 98 games in um, 1997. They won it the year I was born, although I was born after the season in uh, 1983. They won 96 in 2014. And then in 1980, they won 100. So, you know, it's the... uh, it's it's the it's possible that they could do that and still don't even win the division. And those 1980 Orioles, you know, that would be in that pattern. They won 100 games and didn't even win the division and at that time didn't make the playoffs. So at least the Orioles have the consolation prize of being very, very likely to make some kind of wild card spot. Their, uh, their magic number to clinch any kind of playoff spot heading into the final month is 19, which... That's not bad. Not bad at all. And, you know, but last year, like the New York Mets, they won 101 games. They lost the head-to-head tiebreaker to the Braves, who also had 101. So the Mets were in the wild card round. They lost two of the three games. They were out. Two years ago, Los Angeles Dodgers, 106 wins. But the San Francisco Giants, 107. So, again, I mean, I just, I don't want the Orioles to come that close uh, and then not be able to win the division. At least there there's a wild card available, but it would sting. It would sting to win so many and not get advantage of getting a buy through that best of three round. I mean, relative to two years ago or even last year, it's amazing that the Orioles have done this well. Literally, they've already equaled their win total from 2022, which wasn't a bad season. 83 and 79 was a breath of fresh air, but you know, my attitude at this point has flipped to where I'm not just happy to be here. And since the Orioles have played this well so far, I would really like to have them find ways to keep doing that. You know, I don't want to have to settle for, well, you know, at least they made it and they can do better next year. You know, uh, I don't want to have to wait. We'll see what ends up happening. For today, the Orioles uh, roster expands to 28. So it's September call up smaller than it used to be. You only get the two. Help is on the way, maybe less than some people were hoping. Masson's Rakubatko first reported yesterday in the afternoon that the Orioles' immediate addition uh, is going to be outfielder Colton Kowser, as well as reliever Joey Crable. And, you know, people in comments on Camden Chat and people I've been reading on Twitter have, have really been trying to talk themselves into the September call-up being Heston Kerstad, who's now got an 885 OPS for AAA Norfolk, or even the true dreamers have been trying to talk themselves into Jackson Holiday, who at this recording has a 932 OPS for the AA Bowie Bay Sox. And I mean, I get it. I get the desire for some on-paper excitement, and it, it has felt like the Orioles have needed to do something that would make a big splash since the past offseason. And, you know, they haven't done the splash. They have not made it. You know, they signed Kyle Gibson. They traded for Cole Irvin. They traded for Shintaro Fujinami. They traded for Jack Flaherty. None of those things were a splash. Um, you know, they uh, they already called up Gunnar Henderson last year. That was kind of a splash, I guess. Um, you know, they've had prospects debut this year, but it hasn't been a splash of getting, you know, one of the, one of the fresh top prospects, uh, as much as we might've hoped. But again, I mean, they've already equaled last year's win total before September without making the splash. 
like for Heston Kerstad, I I just couldn't imagine that happening unless there was some kind of season-ending injury to one of Austin Hayes, Ryan Mountcastle, or Ryan O'Hearn. It doesn't, you know, that's that's not what's happened. And of course, these are not the only additions that can be made in September. There can still be swaps made the entire month of September. They can option whoever uh, injured, you know, put somebody on the injured list if they get hurt, bring people back. You know, uh, it seems like Aaron Hicks is about to return to baseball activities soon. The Orioles are indicating that they might not even send him out on a rehab assignment before reactivating him. I think that would be a mistake, but whatever. They know more than I do. We got John Means uh, made a rehab start yesterday. That is happening after I'm recording this on Thursday afternoon, so I don't know how he did, but hopefully it was good. Uh, He gets a max of one more start after that before the Orioles have to activate him. We'll see if they plug him into the rotation. Tyler Wells could join the bullpen once the Orioles decide he's done enough there. And, I mean, everyone who is either on the 40-man roster or 60-day injured list at 11.59 p.m. on August the 31st is eligible for the playoff roster. So that's that's what the Orioles have got. They can use their whole, uh, whole 40-man roster to help them in the month of September and for as much beyond September as they get to play. One thing they did not get to add was any one of the uh, publicized wave of players put on waivers by the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, etc., and a couple of other players from other teams. The Cleveland Guardians got claims on Angels pitchers Lucas Giolito, Reynaldo Lopez, and Matt Moore. Uh, The Cincinnati Reds also got a couple of players, so big day for teams in the state of Ohio or at least a big waiver day, maybe not a big day. The Orioles were reported to have put in claims on multiple players, but with reverse standings order for waiver priority, those guys were long gone before the Orioles got their chance. The Guardians, six games below 500, snatched up three of the players. Uh, the Reds are a mere 69 and 66 and snagged a couple themselves. So, you know, it, I guess it would be interesting to see, to know who the Orioles tried to claim. So we know who they thought might have helped them, but we're not going to find out, I don't think. And as far as the Orioles right now, we are in dance with them, what brung you territory, and the players that have gotten them to a 100-win pace through 133 games is who's going to have to get them the rest of the way. And, you know, that's that's absolutely not the worst thing. Uh, I hope that this roster is up to holding off the Rays uh, for the remaining month of the season. I will be right back after a message from a Fans First Sports Network sponsor. All right, so let's dip into the mailbag. We've got a message today from listener Chris, who noted in a previous recent episode where I was discussing uh, Shinjiro Fujinami and his results as a starting pitcher with the Oakland Athletics earlier in the year. So Chris asked, what about Fujinami as a starting pitcher for the Orioles in 2024? His rationale is that while giving up two runs in the eighth inning is a disaster for a reliever, if you give up two runs in the second inning but then don't have a disaster in five or six innings overall, that's not so bad. And Chris added that in the offseason, the Orioles' analytics department could maybe uh, alter some pitch mix to mitigate the command issues. He said that the Orioles seem to be doing similar experiments with converting relievers into starting pitchers in the minors, such as Alex Pham who currently has a 2.63 ERA and 0.979 whip with, uh, I believe, about a dozen games with the AA Bowie Bay Sox. 
And Chris also concludes by saying if the starting experiment doesn't work, just drop Fujinami back into the pen like the Orioles have done with D.L. Hall. Chris, thank you for writing in. Uh, You know, my main response to all of that is I feel like the Orioles, now that they are where they are in the standings, are past the point of doing those kind of experiments. That is for teams that are really still in the rebuilding part of the cycle to try that kind of stuff. I mean, like if the Orioles somehow had signed Fujinami in 2021 and he liked Baltimore and wanted to re-up for 2022, maybe it would have been worth it to try at that time because the rotation was less solidified and the team was not in as good of a place as far as anyone knew heading into the 2022 season. If the 2024 Orioles are going to get someone to push out one of their incumbent starting pitchers, it really needs to be someone with a proven track record, I think. So I I don't think they can be running uh, that kind of experiment. Because, I mean, really, if you're an optimist, you might even say that having a rotation of Kyle Bradish, Grayson Rodriguez, John Means, Dean Kramer, and either Cole Irvin or Tyler Wells could get it done for the Orioles. And I think if anyone's going to push one of those guys out, it should really be like a, a, you know, a real big name starting pitcher who the Orioles believe can be successful with the Orioles and who will actually turn out to be successful. uh, You know, unlike uh, Kyle Gibson or Jordan Lyles, or maybe a prospect if someone like Cade Povich um, pushes his way into the picture and earns his place. But, you know, short of those things, like, I, I don't think you need to be messing with, oh, let's try Fujinami out as a starter. I, um, I, I wouldn't do it. I would be really um, not excited if the Orioles decided to do that instead of, you know, making a serious addition. But who knows? Who knows what uh, Fujinami is going to want to try and do for if he wants to continue his career in Major League Baseball, or if he's just going to want to go back to Japan after giving it a shot for one year, I don't really know. Um, uh, for me, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put him in the rotation at where the Orioles are this year. You know, on pace to win 101 games, and we can hope that they will be able to carry forward at least some kind of um, 95 win or more roster into 2024. So, yeah, you, you know, you can't mess around with that kind of thing. Just Get players who are already good, and you don't need to do experiments on them. That is what I think. Anyone else, if you would like to write in, you can email camdencastpod at gmail.com if you've got a question or a topic for a future episode. And Chris, thank you for writing. Everyone else who's written in so far, thank you as well. Moving on from the mailbag, let's talk a little bit about the Orioles' next opponent, the Arizona Diamondbacks. Stakes are high for this team as they enter the last month of the season as well. They are a mere half game out of a wildcard spot with a 69-65 and record. It is easier to be in the NL this year considering that the worst AL wildcard team has six more wins than the... uh, the worst NL wildcard team right now. So uh, that's good for the NL wildcard contenders to be in that soft mix if you want to make the playoffs at all. Um, the Diamondbacks, though, they've really been headed the wrong way lately. They went 8-16 and 16 in the month of July, and in August they were also below 500, a bit better, but still below the 12-15 and 15 record for the month. They allowed five and a half runs per game in the month of July, Not too much better in August, 4.7 runs per game allowed. 
These two teams are really close to one another in terms of their total offense. Uh, The Arizona Diamondbacks have a team OPS of 741. The Orioles have a team OPS of 745, though the Orioles are averaging about 0.3 runs per game more than the Diamondbacks. I think that is because the Orioles are doing better in clutch hitting situations. Uh, They are, in fact, one of the better teams, if not the best team in the league in those kinds of uh, opportunities. The Diamondbacks, they are not. But really the big difference, I think, between these two teams is in the pitching overall. The Orioles' team ERA, they are 0.61 runs below the Diamondbacks in ERA. And that's because their rotation so far a little bit better, but the bullpen really is much better. Uh, The Arizona Diamondbacks bullpen at 4.69 ERA so far this season. So that could be good news for the Orioles, who have a significant number of comeback wins among their wins this season. Uh, You know, and partly you can see that in the active Diamondbacks this year with the most saves are uh, Scott McGuff, who for true Orioles sickos may recall he was a 2016 and 17 O's minor league reliever, never got a chance at the big leagues at that time. He went and pitched in Japan for several years and came back as a free agent with the Diamondbacks uh, this year. And they've also got Miguel Castro in their bullpen. Uh, McGuff, a 4.50 ERA for the season. Not what you want to see for the guy you're using as a closer frequently. Miguel Castro, even worse, a 5.20 ERA. So those are not good numbers. And, you know, I guess it's another series where we're going to be hoping the Orioles can knock the uh, the crap out of the starting pitchers and get into what looks like a weak bullpen. The Diamondbacks offense, uh, you know, they're again similar to the Orioles in that they've got mostly quality players up and down the lineup. A couple of weak spots in the lineup are on their bench, but there's nobody who is like among the true elite hitters of the league in terms of their results so far. Their best hitters are Corbin Carroll, who really is kind of like the NL equivalent to Gunnar Henderson if Henderson was an outfielder, and Christian Walker. Yes, that is the former Oriole who has now gone on to a 12.6 war career after the Orioles never really gave him a shot. Not one of Dan Duquette's um, better moves, but, you know, there's no point lamenting Dan Duquette's dumb moves at this point in time. And by the way, I'm actually selling Carroll a little bit short by calling him kind of the uh, NL equivalent of Henderson. Bit of a homer comment on my part, I will admit. Carroll is... uh, rocking an 880 OPS on the season. I would love if Gunnar Henderson was at that number. That is about uh, 70 points of OPS more than Henderson. So, you know, it's not over 900. The Diamondbacks don't have anybody over 900 or more, as the Orioles don't. Their best OPS guy is Ryan O'Hearn at 828, or if you want a full-season contributor, Anthony Santander at 825. Um, But you know, they, they do have a couple with hitters who are a little bit better than the Orioles, and their lineup is really similar. So, I, you know, it's it, I guess it's going to come down to the pitching matchups for the series. Friday night, we're talking Cole Irvin for the Orioles and Zach Davies, another former Orioles minor leaguer there for the Diamondbacks. Irvin has a 3.77 ERA away from Camden Yards this year and a 3.76 ERA since the All-Star break. So those are two trends I certainly hope will be continuing. Davies, 
Oh, a 6.93 ERA for the year. Maybe some bad luck. He's only got a 4.69 FIP. If it's bad luck, I certainly hope his luck does not start uh, turning back for the good here on Friday night. Davies, you know, again, talking about Dan Duquette's laments, uh, it bothered me a lot at the time and still for a long time afterwards did that the Orioles traded him away for uh, two months of Gerardo Parra when Parra was obviously going to regress uh, and do worse than he had been doing in that 2015 season. That is exactly what happened. And Davies went on to be, you know, he's still in major league starting rotations uh, eight years later. The 2016, 2017, 2018 Orioles could have absolutely used Davies, who in those same years had a 3.97 ERA, 3.90 ERA, and 4.77 ERA in the Brewers' starting rotation. Okay, 2018, not so great, but I mean, the Orioles could have used him instead of who they had in their rotation in 16 and 17. Duquette, why? I shake my fist at you. Okay, no, I'm really moving on. Saturday, the matchup. Kyle Bradish for the Orioles. Slade Sacconi for the Diamondbacks. Uh, Sacconi has a, uh, he is a 24-year-old rookie righty starting pitcher. He's only pitched in five major league games. I know, that always makes me nervous too. 2.57 ERA in his big league career to date. He's also been a very contact-oriented pitcher in his handful of big league games. So the Orioles have been pretty aggressive, I think, um, over the last month plus. So maybe that will benefit them against Sacconi. Uh, but you know, it's good that Kyle Bradis is pitching in that game. He is in the top 12 baseball reference war for all starting pitchers this year. He'll be pitching this game in his home state of Arizona. Hopefully that'll be good for him. Uh, he's been slightly worse away from Camden Yards, a 3.65 ERA, which is still pretty good, even though it is a bit worse than what he's been doing at Camden Yards. And for Sunday afternoon, it's going to be Jack Flaherty for the Orioles and Zach Gallon for the Diamondbacks. Flaherty, you know, I'm I'm still waiting for him to show something. Um, I I wish he had done it already. I don't know what Mike Elias thought he was going to show, but he's got a 6.41 ERA so far as an Oriole. So you know he can turn that around. He's got another uh, another five starts to go, and that's time where he can make us uh, think more fondly of him. Maybe he can start doing it on Sunday. And we're going to need him to do that because Gallon is one of those uh, 11 guys who is better than Bradish in BWAR for the season. He's got a 3.32 ERA across 28 starts this season, a 1.71 ERA when pitching in his home stadium. So, I mean, winning on Friday and Saturday then becomes even more important with that tough Sunday starting pitching matchup. And by the way, the Rays are playing the Cleveland Guardians this weekend. The Guardians, they are 64-70, and 70, though they did just claim three possible upgrades for their pitching staff on waivers because they're, they're only five back in the Central, though they are 64-70. and 70, And, you know, they're aiming to flip that in September. So good for them for pouncing on all those guys. They, they, they only have to spend, uh, you know, a month of salary on each of those guys and the opportunity cost of a roster spot, which... You know, if you're 64 and 70, you've probably got some room to demote some guys and improve them. So Cleveland Guardians, please uh, take a bite or two out of the Tampa Bay Rays this weekend. Thank you very much. That is all that I've got for today. 
If you are enjoying this podcast, please subscribe on your favorite platform and consider leaving a rating or a review and tell an Orioles fan in your life about the show. New episodes will be out every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning. I will be back with you on Monday morning, even though it is a federal holiday, not a federal holiday in the baseball, blogging, and podcasting world. So uh, I will talk to you again on Monday morning. In between now and then, you can leave a comment for me on camdenchat.com. You will find me there in the comments with the name Eat More SK. Good Morning Birdland is a Camden Cast production on the Fans First Sports Network. Until next time, go O's.